Our reading this morning comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 20. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory of the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and, and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All things... All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And I now have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep your hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of our fathers. They bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the King. It's a blessing to see each of you here. I'm Lynn Rayburn. I'm the lead pastor here. The guy you saw up here before is, I've, I've given him a new title, Next Pastor. I think everybody knows that's what's coming. But he is definitely from California. Did you, Don, did you hear him say, bull weevil? Did you catch that? Son, you're in the south now. And it's a bull weevil. Just pretend there's a W in that. When, the, when that bowl gets rotten, you can't pick much cotton. Just say that over and over again. Anybody recognize? These kids don't know that, Alice. I mean, they're not old enough. It's, it's a blessing to see you here this morning. We got a lot of folks that are, that are sick and out. And you pray for them, please for healing. It's that time of year. Uh, thankfully, I'm almost afraid to say this, I don't believe in jinxes, but uh, we haven't been hit hard by flu this year, and I worry about the elderly because I'm getting into that. I'm not there yet, but I'm... <laughs> Kelly, you didn't have to laugh that hard. <laughs> Todd said, we're a life-changing church. And I hope that's so. 
I pray that that is the case. That is our series, How to Change Your Life Forever. But I was reading in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm on one of those 30-day reads right now, and so I'm reading large portions and um, having trouble getting to work on time because of it. But I, I was reading in the Old Testament, and God was talking to the prophet about the nation of Israel, and he said, they hear your words, but they don't do them. You're like somebody playing a melody. And they're not dancing. They're not doing it. Your life, if you, you can listen to these sermons and go away and be pleased with what you hear, but if you don't do what you hear, your life will not be changed. Jesus said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? Why don't you do what I say? Am I really your Lord? He says, that's not me talking, that's Jesus talking. Is He really your Lord if you don't do what He says? He said again, Chris, He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, I read last week from the book of James, don't be a forgetful hearer. If, if the, the one who's the forgetful hearer, Alicia, is the one who hears but does not do it. And if you're going to have a life change, a changed life, if you want God to work in your life, you have to not only hear what He says, you have to do what He says. Now what we've talked about, how to have a changed life, for this to be a life-changing church, we preach the life-changing gospel of the major life-changer, Jesus Christ. And for your life to be changed, you need to just give yourself over to Him. Now, it, it, the screen says, give your life to Christ. There is, Jamie, there's a bit of surrender in that, you know? Because that just means taking yourself and making yourself a gift to God. He gave His gift to you, His only begotten Son, who died on Calvary for your sins. And what He's asking, Donna, is for you to just take your life and put it in His hands. That's life-changing, folks. That's life-changing. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to Jesus. Give your life to Christ. Not only that, but give Jesus the first of your day. I said I'm on one of those 30-day reads. You don't have to go nuts and read through the whole Bible in 30 days. But you could do it in a year. I, I, I'm going to do something dangerous. How many of you have started reading through the Bible in a year? Praise God. Do it every day. If you do it for 40 days, you're liable to do it for the rest of your life. Just do it every day. How many of you are reading through faster than a year? Let me see your hands. Glory. That's exciting. How many times this year? Six times this year, Gail. That's your goal, right? You did eight times last year. 
It's a little bit much, so you're doing six times this year. You know, there was one year I read through the Bible 12 times in a year. I won't ever do that again. That's tough. I will admit, it's life-changing. Reading the Bible is the most life-changing thing you can do other than getting saved. And I would challenge you to read your Bible every single day. Give Jesus the first of your day. Give Him the first of your week. Now, I I guess I don't need to preach that to you because you're here today, right? You have done that. Glory, good on you. Keep doing it. Every Sunday, you think, well, I'm not getting much out of that service. Well, maybe if you put a little more into it, you'd get more out of it. Put your phone down. Take the notes. I like to see people with their pens out and, and they've got that worship guide and they're going to fill in the blanks. You know why? Joe, your hand's connected to your heart. When you write it down, it goes into not just your head, but it goes into your heart. Pay attention. Invest in the service. Listen for what God has to say to you in the service, and you'll get more out of the service. And the more often you attend worship, Sunday morning or Sunday night, I'll give you that, Sunday morning or Sunday night, the more often you do that, the greater Jesus will change your life. You need this. You need to not only read the Word of God, you need to hear the Word of God preached. You say, well, it goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah, but I suspect it does something in between. It's like, Jenny, I heard an illustration one time, the the guy said, you wash out a tea strainer. You're from California, you know what a tea strainer is? Okay, thank you. These kids don't know that either, Alice. They, they use tea bags. They don't know about putting tea leaves in a strainer. And, but when you've used the tea strainer, why do, you, you, why, do you, why do you wash it off? It doesn't, Karen, it doesn't hold any water. It just goes through, right? But Katrina, when you're done, it's clean. Same thing's true, Pam. You're hearing the Word of God and you say, well, it's, I'm not getting much. You're getting more than you realize because you're sitting under the sound of the preached Word of God. Here's the thing. Life change happens when you let your decider make the decisions instead of your feelings. When you get up, Joaquin, I thought about you and in your military service. Guys, we've got one of the guys here from Camp Robinson. Isn't that a blessing? He'll just be here a short time, but it's a blessing having him here. And I, and I thought about running. Back when I was running, you know, I, I got up a lot of mornings, and I didn't feel like running. Thankfully, I had an obsessive, compulsive partner And I knew he would be there. You don't have to have, you don't have to be obsessive compulsive to run every single day. But if you're not obsessive compulsive, you need, Chris, you need a partner who is. So you know he'll be there and I have to get out and run because he's going to be waiting on me. And what you do for life change, Paul, you have to do what you know is right 
instead of what you feel like. You get up in the morning and you don't feel like reading, but you know you ought to. And you do what you know is right. And Shelly, can you say it? Right actions result in right emotions. Right actions result in right emotions. Kids, you need to get that. When you don't feel like doing it, do what you know you should, and the feelings will follow. Right actions result in right emotions. And that's what, Gail, that's what life change is all about. Choosing to do what you know you ought to do so that you feel differently because you have. The, the fourth way in the series to have a life change, for God to change you, is change your attitude and change your heart about giving. Give like David. Did you hear what Gail was reading? Here it is. David said, everything we have comes from God. All of it. Everything we have comes from the hand of God. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty, majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. We talk about Joyce, we talk about my apartment, my house, my car, my... We got a lot of stuff. And we don't really own any of it. It's on loan from God. It's His, and I'm His. God owns everything. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Everything we have comes from God. First of all, He owns it all. I know when I start talking about giving, some people get sort of stiff. They say, oh no, He's preaching about giving again. On the other hand, some of You've been saying, well, when are you going to preach about giving again? Our budget needs for you to preach about giving. No, we don't need for people to give. The people need to give. And God does not need your offering. He's not going hungry. You know that? He's not dependent on your offering, and the church is not dependent on your offering. that a shock? The church is not dependent on your offering. The church is dependent on God. But so are you. And you need to understand that and have that attitude. God owns everything. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. And Alice, I usually say, and the hills that are under the cattle. He owns it all. He created it. He spoke and it came into being. He breathed life into you. 
and everything you have, every heartbeat, comes by the hand of God. Every breath, Tim, comes from the hand of God. I was reading Todd about those 12 spies that went in and Joshua and Caleb were the only ones with faith to trust God. People know who've been in Sunday school know that. But Sarah, but what they might not know is that the ten died on the spot when God showed up. You know, all God has to do is stop making your heart beat. I didn't, Samantha, I didn't say stop your heart from beating. I said all He has to do is stop making your heart beat. That's what He's doing right now. He's putting breath in your lungs. He's making your heart beat. Somebody dare say, I don't owe God anything. Huh. What if He stopped giving you life? And He can do that anytime He wants to. He did for those ten spies. They just, Casey, they just dropped dead. Right there. Can you imagine the people who were standing around them when that happened? Everything. He said, wealth and honor comes from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Everything we have comes from Him. David said, who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. The day you understand that everything you have came from the hand of God, even your heartbeat and your very breath, your attitude toward giving will change. You'll understand that you're just giving back to God a part of what He has given you. The word tithes, Michelle... I like it when people are nodding when I'm preaching. Just go ahead and say amen. I, I can't hear you all the way back there, but anyway, God bless you. The word tithe means a tenth. And I've had people who, Rodney, they've told me, that I can't afford to tithe. It's only a tenth. John David in Kenya, when I was there, things have changed a little bit. The currencies differ, but people... Typical worker, the blue collar worker, worked for a dollar a day. Now, if he's working for a dollar a day, you say, well, he can't possibly afford to tithe. Well, now hang on. John David, how much is a tithe off of a dollar? Ten cents. And he's got 90 cents left. There's, you see, there's an equality in the tithe, it's, it's 10% for everybody no matter how much you make. God says the tithe belongs to Him. But He's only asking for a part of what He's giving you. If you say, I don't owe Him anything, what if He quit giving you what He's giving you? He could do that, you know. 
Now listen. I believe in the mercy of God. And I'm not standing here to tell you that if you don't give your tithe, God's going to kill you. But I think it hurts Him when we do not show gratitude and we do not acknowledge Him for all that He does for us. Somebody came to me one time and said, well, I've never tithed in my life. How much do I owe God? And I said, today, tomorrow. You mean I don't have to pay all my back taxes? He's not the U.S. government. His mercy is renewed every day. You can start tithing today and then just continue. You don't have to pay back all you should have done. Just start. But realize, He's not asking. He gives you everything, but He's not asking for all of it back. We just give Him... a part of what He gives us. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is it. The church is where you are supposed to give your tithe so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Understand. He said in that passage, you're robbing me because you're not giving the tithe. If you're not giving your tithes, you are robbing God. Not only that, but you're robbing the church because your tithe is intended to help the church exist and operate. Don't give your tithes to some radio preacher. Don't send your tithes to a missionary. Don't say to me, well, I I don't give my money, I give my time. Is that what you want God to give you? You reap what you sow. You want to reap financial blessings from God? Then let Him control your financial decisions. Those who do not tithe, are also robbing themselves. Do you see what he said? Test me. Put me to the test. Bring the whole tithe. See if I don't pour out more of a blessing than you're able to contain. There is nowhere that the Bible says, withhold thy blessings from me, and withhold thy offerings from me, and I will bless you. It does say, give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now listen, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. And this is not a prosperity gospel, but it is a life-changing moment when you realize, Debbie, that everything we have comes from Him. And we're just giving back to Him in proportion of what He has given us. Giving, number two, is a test of our heart. He says, you test the heart. 
and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willfully and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. God doesn't want to force you to give. He wants you to give with a willing heart. And whether you give or not is a test of your heart. Where is your heart? Tell you what, I'm, I'm going to get there in a minute, but for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Show me your calendar and your checkbook, and I'll tell you what's really important to you. Let me say that again. Not a single person said amen, so it means you need to hear it again. Show me your calendar and show me your checkbook, and I will tell you exactly what's really important to you. David said, giving is a test of the heart. Learn the joy of giving. Did you see that? I he said, I see the joy with which my people are giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Well, I'm quoting that ahead of time. Our giving reveals our heart. He said, don't stir up for yourselves treasures on earth, because they'll rust away and the moths will eat it. But inflation will take it away. I started to say something about being robbed of my retirement with the inflation rate that's going on. Anybody want to say amen to that? But you know what? The treasure I've laid up in heaven is not affected by rust or moths or inflation. God's hev heaven's treasures are secure. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, did you hear the order of that? Chloe, it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Now, I believe it's the opposite way, too. You will put your treasure where your heart is. But remember what I said about doing what's right, and then the feelings follow? You say, I don't feel like tithing. Do it anyway. Somebody said to me one time, well, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, so if you can't be cheerful, don't give. That's a good way to be miserable. God loves a cheerful giver, but Mike, you do what you know you ought to do, and then the joy follows. It's a test, and it reveals our heart. Reluctance to tithe is an indication of heart trouble. Jay's not here, so I'm not going to mention AFib. You know, Jenny, I realize Brenda's in the nursery today. I can say anything about Brenda today. I want to. But I'm not going to. She's watching the TV in the nursery. Hi, darling. <laughs> reluctance, reluctance to tithe 
is an indication you got heart trouble. And you need to change your attitude. Change your life. Do what's right. And the feelings will follow. I've already said three times, I'll say it again, God loves a cheerful giver. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves when we give. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, I, I intended to put this in the, on the screen, but I've got so many verses I'm sharing today. By the way, do you realize that? This is not just Lynn. This is the Word of God. Pay attention to how many verses I'm using in my sermon today. Philippians chapter 4, Paul said to the church at Philippi, your offerings are a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. Joe, that's why I like to write the check. Maddie, that's why Brenda gets to put the check in the offering plate. You talk about how you can give? I do it the old-fashioned way. Because to me, Kim, writing that check is an act of worship. I love writing it. But Brenda wants to get in on it, so she gets the check after I write it, and she gets to put it in the bucket. Giving is worship. God loves a cheerful giver. God blesses generosity. In Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. You know what? That ought to be the first thing you do. The first thing you give is your tithe to God. Give Him the first fruits. Then if you'll do that, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats brim over with new wine. Luke 6, 38, Give, and it will be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you again. Give, and it shall be given to you. You can't outgive God. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Listen to me, you can't outgive God. One of the, I, I told you in the very first series that one of the huge changes, Dennis, that happened in my, my life and in Brenda's life was when we learned to tithe. And we have not stopped in all those years until now. You can't outgive God. Finally, our giving will outlast us. Lord, the God of our fathers, this is David speaking, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Real quick, I need you to see this. Our giving will outlast us. How so? Well, for one thing, our offerings will go before us. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Wanda, you can't take it with you, but you can sure send it ahead. Amen? Tim, 
can't take it with you, but you can lay up those treasures in heaven. You can send it ahead. Our offerings will go before us, and there will be a reward, Susan, in heaven because we've sent it ahead. Not only will our offerings go before us, our works will follow us. You've made an investment in lives, in the church, in the kingdom of God. You've given your offerings to missionaries. You've given your offerings to the church. Our works will follow us. That's what it, then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Imagine that. Diana, when we're gone, all the things we've done during our lives, we're dead and gone, but the rewards just keep coming because the investment we've made in God's kingdom, our works will follow us. Not only that, but our children will imitate us. He said, Lord God of our fathers, keep these desires and thoughts in your hearts of you people forever and keep their hearts loyal to, the, to you. And then he specifically mentioned, and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands. If you tithe and you teach your children to tithe and they teach your grandchildren to tithe, you have not only changed your life, but you will change the lives of your descendants. Your children will imitate you. On the other hand, if, they, if your children see you drop a bill in the plate, they know you're not tithing, you're just giving cash, a little bit here and a little bit there. You know what they'll do? Same thing. Same thing. Is that really what the legacy that you want to live, or that you want to leave for them? Train up a child in the way he will go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Learning to give like David will be life-changing for you and for your children. You know, I give a lot of invitations and throughout this series I've tried to give an invitation that fits the sermon. Well, this is a tough one because this is very personal. You don't mess with somebody's politics. and You don't mess, mess with somebody's pocketbook. God does. God does. Listen to me. Look up here. This is a personal decision. But I'm asking you to make a life-changing change of your attitude and to have a heart like David forgiving. I would love to see the altar filled with people who would come weeping and say, I'm done robbing God. And I'm done robbing the church. I'm done robbing myself of the blessings, the joy that's possible through giving to God. 
I probably don't expect that to happen. I wish it would. Few things will change your life like changing your heart. Giving your life to Jesus Christ. Giving Him the first of your day. Giving Him the first of your week. And giving Him the first, putting Him first in your finances. What's God telling you to do right now? Not what, I'm, I'm not asking what I'm telling you to do. What is God telling you to do? Let's stand together. Father, I pray that You would move in this service by Your Spirit. There are those who need to be saved. There are those who need to commit their lives to You. Lord, the commitments that we've talked about for now four Sundays are still in the ears and in the hearts of Your people. And I pray that they would make a commitment. There are members of faith in Alar who need to make a commitment this morning to, let, to put you first in their finances. And Lord, I pray that they would do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.